would, let's stand. Brother Looper's coming at this time, and he's going to preach to us. And thank God for the preacher. Glory. Brother Looper. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Man, good to be in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's a good place to be tonight. Amen. I'm thankful for God's goodness, His mercy, His blessings, allowing us to come together to worship, to praise, and to glorify His great name. Why don't we just give the Lord a great hand clap of praise? Why don't you lift your voice and thank Him and praise Him today? God, we love you. We praise you, God. We worship you and magnify your great name. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Good to see everyone that's in the house of the Lord tonight. Good to see our guests that are here. And uh, with Brother Gage, glad you're in the house of the Lord with us. And uh, we ask the Lord's mercy and hand of protection about all of us. Brother Cooper's already mentioned those who are sick. We need to request prayer for, ask God to touch and heal them, and give them a miracle in their body. I know that God is a miracle worker. There's nothing that's too hard for God. There's nothing that God can't do. Amen. He is a healer of all manner of our diseases. So we pray for those who are sick, uh, especially Brother Strebel and uh, Brother George Guy Brother and Sister Jackson needs a touch from the Lord tonight. And uh, we want to pray for Sister Merritt. She called this afternoon. Her daughter passed away today, had uh, surgery, and, and uh, I think from what I understand a couple of days ago and had a heart attack passed away today. So let's pray for Sister Merritt. Ask the Lord to give her strength and help uh, through this troubled time. Amen. And uh, we need God's mercy and protection. Of course, you can see uh, this is one of the, uh, <clears throat> in this time, I send out some of my most powerful texts ever. And uh, you can see by the crowd tonight, I sent out a church text. And um, I just want everyone to be as safe as possible and uh, it is quite evident that uh, the virus is still here and it's on the ra- rise and uh, on the rampage uh, now and uh, different states. And unfortunately, Texas is one of the states that's really affected. And uh, so we ask everyone to be as careful as possible. And I do know and I do believe that church is not the only place that you can get it. It just uh, seems like people want to pick out the church and say that's the, about the only place you can get it. But uh, we go through our daily activities, and uh, I want, as your pastor, I want to be as safe as I can. And uh, I don't want to have to shut down services again. So I ask you to work with us on this. I've asked people to set together, households to set together tonight. And let's do this for the next couple of weeks. And uh, no handshaking and hugging necks and all of that. Let's try to refrain from that. And look, now, it doesn't do any good uh, if you refrain from it at church and then you go outside and you continue on with your, um, your activities as normal. But I can't control that. But I do ask you while you're at church, please do that. And uh, we will try to... 
uh, separate as much as possible for the next couple of weeks and see if uh, this thing, we can get a handle on this or whatever. At this particular time, I do not know of anyone in the church that has this. And um, I do know some people that's a little under the weather. I don't know if they have it or not. And far as I know, they do not. And uh, so I don't want to scare everybody, but I think we all need to be aware that this is real and we want to stay as safe as we possibly can. And uh, so for the most, I hope, I hope that once you have it, you can't get it again. That will be uh, great if that is the fact and we can everybody just go ahead and get it and get over, get over it and uh, get immune to it. So anyway, but let's don't do that at church. Let's do that somewhere else. So I ask you to be safe as you possibly can. So this will be the way that we'll conduct service for the next couple of weeks. I know it's different. I don't like it. I don't suppose that you like it. Uh, because I am Pentecostal apostolic and I like to just have a good time and fellowship and shout and put my arm around everybody and just have a great time. So uh, it does hinder us. But this is better than not being in here at all. And so if we have some people that, that comes up with it, we'll have to go back outside or go on just on the Internet alone. And uh, I certainly don't want to have to do that. I don't enjoy that. And uh, that's not really church, and uh, that's just getting by. And we need church today. Man, if there's ever a time we need church, we need church today. So I do want everyone to know that is home listening tonight. I would ask you to turn your home into church service for the next few minutes. And uh, let's worship God and praise God together. And uh, I... I know people text me, oh, I, and, and I promise you, I do not condemn you. I am not putting the judgments of God on you if uh, you choose to stay home in this time. And, um, but I, I, want, I want everybody to do what they're comfortable with. If you're comfortable coming to church, come on to church anyway. If you're not, have church at home and uh, listen, pay attention, and get your Bible out. Get your family together and uh, don't just use it for a cop out of staying out of church. But so uh, that will be our order for the next couple of weeks. If you have your Bibles, you can remain seated and uh, I will get into the word of the Lord. We have been for the last two weeks and hopefully I can kind of wrap this up this week talking about separation from the world and dedication to God and I I do put a disclaimer on this. This is for us. This is what we believe. Uh, this is, and, and uh, if you know anything about Pentecostals, you know that we're a little bit different than uh, anybody else. And I don't want to be offensive to our guests that are here tonight. Um, so I am preaching to the church. You're welcome to uh, join along, follow me in the Word of God, and uh, make sure I'm in the Word of God. And uh, let's, let's see what God would have for us today. So I will be talking about standards and uh, some things that we abstain from and our dedication and our consecration to God. So in saying that, I don't want to offend any uh, that might be a guest here tonight. Come back Sunday, I'll be in a whole different uh, mode and preaching mode, but this is teaching Teaching seems to be a little bit boring at times, 
but sometimes you got to stop everything and and talk about things that are of a necessity in how we live for God. First Peter chapter two, verse number seven, the Bible says unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. How many believe that God is precious? Amen. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Speaking of Jesus Christ, that's the one that they rejected, and that's the one that was made the chief cornerstone. Verse number 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation. Everybody say chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Say royal priesthood. And holy nation. A peculiar people. What is the purpose? That ye should show forth the praises of Him who had called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is again dealing with separation. You are called out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people. But ye are now the people of God. Ye are now the people of God, which hath not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. When you are saved, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, called out of this world into this marvelous light, you have obtained mercy. Amen. You have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims to this world and this ungodly world system. Abstain, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. So I beseech you, the Apostle is telling us here, the Apostle Peter is telling us that he addresses us as strangers and pilgrims. We are traveling through this world. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through because our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen. His angels are beckoning me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. When we start feeling comfortable, when we start fitting in with this world, we have lost the purpose of Jesus Christ calling us out of this world into His marvelous light. I believe, and I will say this again, I've said this for the last two weeks, that when we are chosen by God, there is a separation between us and the world. The way we act, 
the way we talk, the way that we conduct ourselves, and also the way that we look in this world. That we should not, we should not try to conform, should be transformed to God. Not conforming to this world or this world system. Now, there is questions why we do things that we do and why we abstain from things that we abstain from. I'm going to deal with some of those questions tonight. I'm going to try to answer those, those questions by the Word of God. It's quite obvious that we abstain from wearing jewelry. And so where do we get this from and why do we do this? The Bible's now let me read you a story in Genesis chapter number 35. If uh, you're familiar with the Word of God, if you want to get your Word and look at it with me and follow along with me. This was a time when Jacob left because he was, fe- he was in fear of his brother. And uh, he had, he had uh, stolen the birthright from his brother. And so he went into a foreign country. On the way, on the way, we know the story how he found him a place to sleep. And he used a rock for his pillow. And in the middle of the night, the Lord gave him a dream or a vision of angels ascending and descending on a ladder. He called the place Bethel, which is being interpreted the house of God. Now, Jacob went into a strange land. He had married two wives, and uh, he had uh, accumulated a lot of wealth and riches. He was making his way back to his homeland, and on the way back, he was going to meet his brother. And so this is where the Word of God picks up in the story that we are in. Now, Jacob wanted to pass back by this place called Bethel, where he had had this dream and this vision. And God said unto Jacob, in verse number 1 of the 35th chapter, the book of Genesis, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God, that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau, thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, Now pay close attention to what Jacob did when he was commanded by God to go back to Bethel. Now, in this time of him spending time in this strange country, in this strange land, that he had picked up things and... His family, uh, the ladies that he had married, had things that were displeasing to God. And so, uh, then Jacob said, this is what he said unto his household and to all that were with him. Number one, put away the strange gods that are among you. So when you start to go to Bethel and you start to return back to the house of God... You've got to put away the strange gods that you have taken to yourself. And when we are, when we are in this world, we pick up the gods of this world, the things that this world worships and puts them before them as gods. And so, so they had to cleanse themselves of this. And then he said, the second thing you've got to do, you have got to be clean. 
The third thing you've got to do, you have got to change your garments. Now, it is quite evident that there was some things here that, that they have had accumulated that was displeasing to God. And so, Jacob knew this by his prior relationship with God and what he had been taught. And so they had to put away the false gods. They had to put away the idols. They had to cleanse themselves. Then they had to change their garments. God is concerned about what you wear and what you look like. From the very beginning of the Bible to the very ending of the Bible. And he said, and let us, verse number 3, and let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distresses, and and was with me in the way which I went. And he gave unto Jacob, and they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them, <coughs> Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. So we find that these are the things that they gave up in preparation of going back to the house of God. They had to give up their false gods, their idols. They had to cleanse themselves and be clean. They had to change their garments from the things that God was displeased with. They gave up their earrings, their jewelry, their things that they had that was attached to them. And uh, when you look at this in commentaries, it was not only just earrings, but it was different rings and things that they had attached to them. These are the things that they gave up. Now look at at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 9, the Bible says, In like manner also the, that women adorned themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broaded hair, are of gold, are pearls, are of costly, are costly array. Now that is in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And verse number nine. Now, we look at this in matter and, and that, that we are, that women are to adorn themselves in modest apparel. Women also should pray to God in like manner as men do, being properly attired in modest appearance. Now people say, okay, well that's just talking about when you pray. But then let's go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about prayer. The Word of God tells us that He would that men pray everywhere, all the time, all the time. So that means that we should be in total, total uh, preparation of prayer at all times, no matter where we're at. 
no matter what we're doing, we should be ready to pray. So it is not just talking about just when we get ready to pray or just when we get ready to go to the house of God. But this is talking about how we adorn ourselves as being Christians and being godly. Adorn simply means that that we are to uh, to have order or to arrange or to adorn or to embellish ourselves according to look at first Timothy chapter two verse number nine which we have Luke chapter twenty one verse number five Titus chapter two verse number ten first Peter chapter number three verse number five Revelation chapter number twenty one verse number two and uh, Matthew 25 and 7, and Matthew 12 and 44, Matthew 23 and 29, Luke chapter 11, verse 25, Revelation chapter 21, and verse number 19. These are all dealing with adornments. Now, what does modest mean? Now, now people have different interpretations of what modest means. And I, I am a firm believer in the next few years that total nudity will be accepted in our world that we live in. In parts of the world that we live in, it already is. So, if it's accepted by the world, does that mean the church should accept it also? If it's, if it's looked at, y'all are very quiet tonight, uh, but but if it's looked at and totally acceptable to the world, you say, okay, well, the world has changed from biblical times to now. You are 100% correct. But let me tell you this, that God's standard of modesty has not changed from biblical times to now. That God still wants us to adorn ourselves in modest apparel. So the question is, what is modesty? Now I defy this, that modesty is defied by what the world is accepting. No, that is not how modesty is defied. But modesty is defied by biblical principles of how we live and conduct our life. So modest, what does it mean? Well-ordered, moderate, moderate. Modesty means moderate. Regular are well-behaved. Modesty means well-behaved. Amen. Modesty means of a good behavior. So this is the way that God wants us to adorn ourselves. Well-ordered. God does not want us to be tacky, slouchy, trashy, uncaring, unprepared, unkept. That's not what modesty is. That's not what apostolics are. Amen. That's not what we're supposed to look like. That you say, oh, if you, if you fix your hair, you've got pride. No. If you fix your hair, you've got good common sense. If you dress nice, you've got pride. No, that's not pride. That's dressing in a modest, well-kept, 
well put together way. God does not put any value on ignorance. Neither does God put any value on slouchiness or unkept people. Amen. But God wants us to be something. We are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Now, there's not many of you out there tonight, so give me just a little bit of feedback. We are the bride of Christ. The bride at a wedding looks different than anybody else at the wedding. Is that correct? Amen. The bride of Christ in a world that is full of sinful nature and sinful ungodliness the, the church should look different than anybody else in the world. Because why? We are the bride of Christ. Now, the bride that is preparing itself for the bridegroom, when they come to the wedding, they've got their hair fixed just right. They've got their wedding garment just right. They've got everything done just right. Why? Because they want to be attractive to the bridegroom. So much the church, when you become a Christian, does not mean that you quit keeping yourself. Just like when you get married doesn't mean you quit worrying about what you look like. Woo! Praise God. But you keep yourself for the person that you are married to. The way that you keep them, a little marriage counseling here, the way that you keep them is the same way that you caught them. Ain't that right, Brother Aaron? <laughs> so, so you want to, you want to keep practicing those steps just because you say I do and they said I do don't mean, hey, they can't undo. Let me get back to my subject. So, this is the way that we are, we are to dress modestly. Apparel. What is it, what is it talking about here in the scripture in uh, in First uh, Timothy chapter two and verse number nine when it says apparel, apparel, equipment, dress, our clothing. That's what it's talking about in this particular scripture. Shamefacedness. Now, what is the Bible talking about when it talks about shamefacedness? A sense of honor, regard for others, respect. Boy, doesn't that sound like the world that we live in today. They just love each other. They respect each other. They have regard for each other. They have reverence for each other. They have self-restraint. They're modest. They have modesty or bashfulness toward men. And men toward women, not being bold or forward. Boy, doesn't that sound like where we live today? Not quiet. But this is what the Bible is teaching us in shamefacedness. It doesn't mean going around with your head down and with your, with your, with your head covered and oh, I'm shamefacedness. So don't look at me. I'm, I'm sad and down and out because I'm a Christian. No. 
Christians are not sad, down and out and rejected. Christians are happy and excited about what God has done for them and what God is doing in their life. There should be a smile on your face, a spring in your step, joy in your heart for what God has done for you in your life. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Amen. So, so shamefacedness, a sense of honor, giving honor. How many has ever heard the term, you got to respect yourself because if you don't respect yourself, nobody else will respect you. Amen. This world needs to respect themselves. When you respect yourself, you don't mark yourself up with markings. Listen at me, boys. Listen at me, girls. Y'all, y'all not where y'all ought to be sitting tonight. And listen at me, all y'all that's on the, on the internet tonight. And all y'all that's going to be listening to the CD later. Amen. You don't mark yourself up or carve on yourself. The Bible tells us not to do these things. Why? Because we have respect. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Praise God. So respect. Have honor for one another. Regard for others. Respect. I believe, I believe that everybody ought to take care of the things that God has blessed you with. Just because it's yours and you paid for it, it come from a higher power. You say, oh, I work for it. I'll do what I want to do. Oh yeah, but it did not come just because you worked. It came because God gave you the ability to work to accumulate things so you ought to take care of it where God will continue to bless you and God will continue to pour out His blessings and His glory and His honor on you. Take care of your car. Take care of your home. Take care of your boat. I had these boys out on the boat. Brother Colton was on the boat with me Saturday. And uh, we had some chips in there and I gave him a bag of chips. I said, you can't, you can't eat on the boat. He said, well, where am I supposed to eat? I said, I jump in the water. He said, you have, this has got, what did he say? This has got to be a joke. I said, no, it's not. It's my boat. So, so God, you may not have to be that particular, but you want to take care of the things that God has given you. Don't get mad at me because I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed because I, I appreciate the things that has been done for me. The more you appreciate what has been done for you and the blessings that God has given you, the more you're going to be blessed. That's the way that God works. So, respecting yourself, regard for others. That's the reason why you ought to teach your children how to say yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am and no ma'am and be polite to elders because God requires us to have respect and honor for others. Reverence those. Have respect for authority. Have respect for authority that is in your life. Have respect for your parents. 
They may not be right. They may not be doing what they should be doing spiritually. They may not be the parent that they should be. But they're still your parent. And God has called you to respect and honor them because of the position that they hold. Y'all didn't know all this was in holiness and separation. But it is. When you start doing this, this separates you from the world because this is not what the world teaches or preaches or believes or practices. That's what's wrong with society today. Amen. So in that, you respect the authority. You respect the authority of the pulpit. You respect the authority of the school teacher. You respect the authority of the policeman. Amen. Can you imagine? I, I know there's crazy ideas and it's just, it's just people that, that, that just don't know what they're saying. They're, they haven't thought this thing through. Can you imagine life without police? <laughs> it would be dangerous to be anywhere. Do you know how fast people would be? They drive fast right out here anyway. But do you know how fast they would be driving? Ever how fast their vehicle would take them. I've been to foreign countries where they do not have law enforcement like we have. They drive on the sidewalk. They drive through red lights, through green lights, through yellow lights. They drive around people, over people. They, it is crazy and chaotic. When I was in the Philippines, it took us, it took us five hours to drive 20 miles across town because it was total chaos. We need, we need respect for authority. And authority always don't act right. I'm not taking up for anybody that's done something stupid that was in the place of authority. They have messed up. Doctors have messed up. Teachers have messed up. Preachers have messed up. Police have messed up. Presidents have messed up. Congressmen has messed up. Why? Because it's the human element and nature. But still, because somebody messes up, don't mean we throw everything away and live in total chaos and a chaotic life. No, God wants us to have decency and order and respect and honor for one another. Self-restraint. Same-faceness is self-restraint. Modesty and bashfulness. Women should have modesty and bashfulness toward men. Lord, that's really passed by the way. Amen. Men should have modesty and bashfulness toward ladies. Not being bold or forward. Sexual predators, perverts, harassers. Well, amen. Reverence. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 28. The next is sobriety. Discretion. This is what this means. Discretion. Self-control. Temperance. Soberness. 
Again, 1 Timothy, where we're getting these words is from 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 9. Also, verse number 15, Acts chapter 25, or 26, verse number 25, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, Titus 2, 4 through 12. That is where we get these things. Now, what is the Bible saying? Let's read. In like manner, also women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broaded hair, our gold, our pearls, our costly array. What is it talking about here in broaded hair? It's not talking about just braiding your hair. But this is what they were doing. The ancient Greeks would braid and entwine their hair. The ladies would. And... Um, if it's like any society, and if it's like anything like society is today, the men would do it also. But it says the ladies would, would intertwine gold strands and pearls and jewels in their hair and even go as far to put coins in their hair and dangle them out across their face trying to get the attention, trying to draw attention. They said that, that they would do hair, headdresses, that they would stick uh, like unicorn type deals in their, on their forehead and wrap their hair around it and put a veil over it. And it was so heavy that they would have to tie it to the back of their knees to try to keep it up on their head. This is how crazy things were getting. And it had bled over evidently into the church world. And, and Paul, or Paul and, and Peter was trying to teach the church that these are things that we abstain from. And these are things that we, we don't do as Christians. We don't need this kind of thing. And so all of the jewels enhanced and the silver and the gold and the tubes and the horns, they said some of them were 20 inches long on the forehead. And uh, how it would keep it from, the straps would keep it from toppling over. The whole thing was supported by a network of cords by strong bands that was fastened tightly even to their jaw to hold them in place. Now, what people will do to get attention, man, it's a strange world that we live in, but we are living in a strange world today. We're living in such a strange world that they have made fun of Pentecostal ladies forever calling them bunheads. Anybody ever heard the term bunhead? They call apostolic ladies bunheads. Well, now men are wearing buns on the back of their heads and calling it cool. That's what kind of crazy society that we are living in. That's the reason why the church cannot not uh, adorn themselves by the things that the world promotes and says is okay. The Bible still tells us that a woman's hair is given to her for her glory. So when you start cutting off your hair, you start cutting off the glory that God has already placed upon your head. And the Bible tells us that nature itself teaches us that it is a shame for a man to have long hair. So I would say that it's a double shame for a man to be wearing a bun on top of his head. Amen. So 
What is the Bible speaking of when it talks about costly array? A lot of this is what it's talking about in your hairdress. But then, as it is saying in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 4, it is the extravagance of, of ornamentation, our costly garments that the Apostle Paul is rebuking. Again, not dressing. It is not talking about dressing nice. It's not condemning dressing nice and having nice things. But what it is talking about is costly ornaments and array and garments that you cannot afford. That you put more, you put more, uh, emphasis on your garment than you do your soul. I tell you, you can be holy as 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 a holy cow, whatever that is, on the outside and be filthy and dirty on the inside. But you've got to have the inside right before you can start working on the outside. Clean up the spiritual man and let God work from the inside out. Amen. It's not condemning style, but it's condemning costly array. Things that you cannot afford. And that's another thing. What is costly array? Costly array is different for your, your lifestyle. I believe that costly array is different, uh, sets according to your income of what you can, what you can afford. And long as it is godly, as long as it is godly, and you have the means to afford it, and you're not taken from your family, and you're not taken from your table, and you're not holding back from God, God has blessed you with the means to do it. Some people can drive different caliber cars than other people. Why? Because it's not taken. Now, when it starts taking away from your family, and you have to, you have to, you have to sacrifice the health of your family or the food of your family, family are staying away from your family, working all the time where you can just outdo somebody else. Now that is wrong. Amen. We need to put emphasis on the things that are important. I know sometimes you have to work overtime. I understand that. I know sometimes you have to do different things to get ahead. But when we are doing it and we are taking overtime on church services when we don't have to, just because we got a chance to make a few dollars, it is wrong and displeasing to God. Just where you can have more, where you can accumulate more. I understand that the ox gets in the ditch, but there's a problem when the ox is staying in the ditch. Whoo, I feel like I hit a stump right there. But we do these things where we can have more of the possessions of this world. That's when it becomes wrong. That's when it becomes costly. It's costing us too much. It's costing us too much time away from our family. It's costing us too much time away from our church. 
It's costing us too much time. And we never see our family grow up. And we turn around and look, and my goodness, what happened to them? They're gone. They're out of the house. I did not have time to teach them. I want to tell you, parents, God give you those children for a purpose. It's your responsibility to teach them what is right and what is wrong. It's your responsibility to be a parent, not feel guilty when you come home and try to be their best friend. Well, praise God. Amen. This is all to do with separation from the world. Because the world's not doing this. The world don't adhere to this at all. And so this is what God has called us to do. So what is... that? that that's where costly array, array and garments come in. What is costly to you? How much is it costing you? Yeah, I got the money, but but how much is it costing you? Yeah, I can afford it, but what did you have to do to afford that? How much does it mean to you? Is it the pride of life? Is it the lust of the flesh? God demands moderation in our dress and in behavior and in general. As women and men professing Godliness. When either men or women live primarily for dress and outward show, it is absolutely 100% wrong and displeasing to God. Amen. Let me see how far we are here. I'm going a little long tonight, but I think, I think that we as the children of God, we have got to ask ourselves the question from time to time when we start, when we start moving in different directions and we start taking things to us, where did it come from? Where did it come from? Where did this style come from? Where did this attire come from? Where did all of this come from? This is the reason why we abstain from this stuff. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 24 through 26, To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. An adulteress will hurt, will hunt for precious life. An adulteress will hunt for precious life. There is an adversary that's out there trying to hunt us down. That's trying to have the church conform to the world and the world system. And there is many that are giving in to this whorish woman that, woman that is flattering with the tongue. And the church is lusting after her beauty. And the church is wanting to go in that direction. But I, I ask you, church, to remember the glory that we have. Just as Jacob wanted to return 
to what he had previously experienced at Bethel, the house of God. There was some things that he had taken into his own household that he had to separate from. And when we start taking these things and they become enticing to us, and we start gathering these things, we lose the glory of God and we lose the ability to get back to where the presence of God dwells. So I want to keep the glory. I want to keep the power. I want to keep the anointing. The way that we do that, we keep our separation from the world and our dedication to God. We keep our separation from the world and our dedication to God. Just because the world accepts it, allows it, and says it's a thing to do, does not ever give the church direction. The church does never get its direction from the world. The church gets its direction from the man of God, reading the Word of God, delivering the Word of God, proclaiming the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, us looking at the Word of God, and studying the Word of God to be what God wants us to be. Let's all stand. I've got some more tonight, but I got kind of tangled up on a couple other things that that got my attention while I was preaching to you. But... We'll get into this a little later on. So we thank God for everyone that is here. I ask you to be as safe as you possibly can. So far as I know, our plans is to be back here Sunday morning. And uh, hope to the good Lord that we're able to do that. And uh, Lord bless you. So let's just lift our hands and ask God for His hand of protection. God, 